I was walking through the all ceramic department the other day and noticed a case that was sitting off to the side because the um, doctor um, had to be called because we needed uh, another impression uh, taken. And when we look at this impression, um, you know, we've got a single unit used in a plastic uh, double arch tray. We usually say that when we use a plastic tray, we want a stiffer material so that it won't deform much as opposed to some of the metal trays that I like. I like that Clinician's Choice Quad Tray Extreme that you've seen before, which is the disposable one. And I like the Trio Tray Pro, which is the one uh, from Triodent that Ultradent now sells. And those are both metal and extremely stiff. So you can use any material you want, but that's good stiffness. I, I'm pretty confident in that, squeezing that, that's gonna be okay. So as we quickly look at this, you know, I'm always thinking, what did the dentist what was the dentist thinking as they looked at it? That mesh actually looks a little thick for me. I can never see that much mesh um, when I have uh, patients bite into our double arch tray. I want the thinnest mesh uh, possible. I think the clinician's choice is like ten thousandths of an inch. And um, that looks thicker because I've never, on my impressions, I've never quite seen that much of the uh, mesh exposed where the impression material is just kind of gone you know what I mean you just you got you've got these spots over here where um, we just have large areas here where I don't see any green I mean it's it's okay to see you know a little spot here and there but I'm just seeing uh, a lot of interproximal mesh and the other thing that I notice is this patient has wisdom teeth and this is always something that's iffy when you look back at that third molar you can see the patient was biting on that tray and so the tooth comes all the way back to here. And then you can see over on that corner, like on the disto buckle corner, you can see the tray showing through right there. And that is definitely within the perimeter of where that tooth is. And so we, we know that this probably kept the patient from biting uh, all the way together so to a certain degree. Now on this side, we still see some mesh, but I appear to, you know, it, it appears as though there's a, a thin layer of polyvinyl material over that, over the mesh um, itself. Margins look good. I can see the margins. I can see some material beyond the margin, which is pretty awesome. That, of course, is something that we look at and want to see. So from that perspective, just looking at how accurate are the margins, how accurate is the impression in this area for the prep tooth, it looks really good. But I have some questions because the patient um, uh, bit together and, and appears to have hit the tray on the wisdom tooth. So here's the restoration. And uh, it has come back from the doctor at this point. You can see where the mark is. And as we zoom in with our gorgeous TV camera, spoiler alert, I think you know how this one ends. Uh, during cementation, when the patient bit down, it went crack. And this is where it came apart. And this is a uh, lithium geranium silicate uh, crown. And uh, so you can imagine if the patient was biting down perhaps on the impression tray and being held uh, apart a little too far, and then the crown goes to be cemented in the mouth, and boom, we have the bite all of a sudden. The crown's now way too high, and the patient really cranks down on it. Um, it could fracture. Now, one of the things that I noticed when I measured the crown uh, with calipers is that in the area... Uh, where it fractured on the occlusal surface. Might be easier to see on the larger piece. Uh, we were down to um, five tenths uh, of a millimeter. 
and a lot of 610 spots and a couple 710 spots. And that's fine for solid zirconia like Bruxer. Uh, but for something like uh, this, for one of the lithium geranium silicate, that's just too thin. And if you look at the model work, it appears as though there's enough room. And that does look like enough reduction. And it's certainly going to be enough reduction if the patient bit on the tray, and so now the models are farther apart from each other than they really should be in the patient's mouth. Because that looks like two millimeters. That looks like you could drive a truck through there. And clearly, when we look at the restoration, it's not that thick. And clearly, the restoration fractured when the patient bit into it. So we're always talking about margins, but you know, let's, let's just say it again to say it. We want to make sure when we look, especially when somebody's got wisdom teeth, that we don't have interference on the most posterior part of the tray because it could lead to exactly this where you get a great impression uh, of the preparation and a crown that fits really well, so well that you're going to go ahead and cement it and then the patient bites together and you hear a um, sickening crack sound and you're probably thinking, well, I thought these were high strength all ceramic materials. Well, they are, but as soon as you get under a millimeter, uh, any of the lithium materials uh, are prone to fracture under a millimeter. Um, if you get under half a millimeter, even the zirconia ones are prone to fracturing. The only thing that will not fracture at any thickness, of course, is cast gold, a wonderful material that uh, everybody in dentistry knows is the best material we've ever had, and every patient who's ever th seen it thinks it's the ugliest thing uh, that they've ever seen. So I, I don't see myself getting into this issue because I will not place either of these materials on molars. I am just a solid zirconia guy on the molars. Uh, on the bicuspids, I can go either way. I'll do solid zirconia if I see a lot of wear on the anterior teeth or a broken PFM or another kind of broken restoration in the posterior. Then I will do solid zirconia like Brux are on the bicuspids as well. Uh, if not, if everything looks good and not a lot of signs of parafunctional habits, I'll put Emacs uh, on these teeth or obsidian and all the way around the front. So really, I'm a zirconia guy in the posterior areas of the mouth and then um, I'll use uh, something not quite as strong but way more aesthetic like the Emacs uh, or, or the Obsidian on the anterior teeth. Why would you put um, something like this? Why would you put a weaker and better looking material on a first molar? I don't know. I mean, I, I just never do that. I always put the zirconia. It looks good enough today. Two years ago, it was pretty ugly and kind of scary, but today I'm gonna use solid zirconia on these posterior teeth. And, and I had a dentist asking me about this at a lecture last week, saying, well, can't I put it on there? Well, you can, you know, if you use depth cutters and you know that you have at least a millimeter of reduction, preferably 1.5 millimeters reduction in case you have to go in and occlusally adjust the crown when the patient bites down. So my rule number one is um, zirconia only on molars, solid zirconia only on molars, bicuspids. It could be either one depending on the wear patterns and if there's any other broken restorations in the mouth. And then uh, day in and day out, I'm gonna be using Emacs or, or Obsidian on the anterior teeth. You've seen me use Bruxer anterior teeth before, and I will if there's a lot of wear or we're doing more than one unit um, or there's some other reason. But otherwise, in the anterior, uh, these materials do well here. It's just on the molars with all the bite force uh, where that happens. And again, not doing a lot of single unit PFMs. For me today, PFMs are something that are used uh, for bridges, uh, but I don't use them anymore uh, for single tooth restorations.